Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses and organizations between 2 and 150 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Today, I want to talk about something that I call idea bombs, uh, or online, uh, there are other people who call it founder bombs, um, because this usually happens if you're a founder of a startup, or if you're a manager of a small business uh, with huge autonomy in your operations. Um, this is a tendency right, for you to tell your subordinates about this great big idea that you have, and then distract them from execution, from whatever it is they're supposed to do, the set of tasks or the plan that you have um, for your company. And the original version of, of Idea Bombs is from Heaton Shah's uh, blog post, My Billion Dollar Mistake. And Heaton is an amazing entrepreneur. Um, I really look up to him. He co-founded Kissmetrics. And Kissmetrics was this data analytics company, uh, which along with uh, another company called Mixpanel, was really the pioneer of app-driven analytics or app-based analytics. Um, so sort of, to sort of set this in context, uh, Kissmetric and Mixpanel were ascendant um, in the time of the iPhone and the Android uh, apps, uh, app store sort of expanding. And before, at that point in time, Google Analytics was the largest uh, analytics package on the market, but it was primarily built for websites, right? For people uh, to track visitors and people navigating through websites. And there really wasn't an equivalent uh, uh, adapted for the app paradigm, right? And there was nothing really good to track user behavior and telemetry for uh, users of iPhone and Android apps. And Kissmetric and Mixpanel really rode that wave. Uh, I believe that they were really valuable companies at the time. Today, of course, Kissmetrics has been shut down. Mixpanel is still going strong. Um, but Heaton basically wrote this blog post uh, a couple months ago, and he admitted at a podcast around that time that this was one of the most difficult podcast, sorry, most difficult blog posts that he had to write. And as you can tell from the title, my billion dollar mistake is basically the story of how Heaton um, built Kissmetrics. I'll link to it in the show notes, of course. How Heaton built Kissmetrics, but because of his drop constantly dropping idea bombs or founder bombs. Um, and, he squandered a three-year lead uh, against the rest of the industry, and eventually Kissmetrics lost, right? Kissmetrics um, today is a shell of its former self. I think it was acquired by a larger company, and it's basically not a competitive product anymore. And Heaton places the blame completely on himself. He says that uh, within Kissmetrics, he was responsible for what eventually came to be known as Heaton Bombs, right? Heaton is his name, so a Heaton Bomb is basically um, him uh, constantly grabbing his subordinates, grabbing his team and saying like, oh, you know, there's this cool new idea, this shiny new idea that maybe he read about it on a Medium post or he heard about it from an investor uh, or he talked to a uh, customer, one of the most important customers that they had. Uh, even if it's an important customer, right, that doesn't mean that the shiny new idea that you got from this customer must be implemented right now, must be implemented immediately. So Heaton's, Heaton bombs um, and idea bombs, founder bombs, is basically this tension right, between uh, wanting to be innovative and trying new things versus staying the course and actually executing the set of tasks or the plan that you have decided on, right? And how do you balance between this tension? Because this tension is really real. If, if you are in a small company, even if you are a subordinate and you've worked for a manager or one of the founders of the company, um, this is something that you probably have experienced, right? They sometimes come in, you know, 
one morning in the office, they'll walk in and say, hey, I was reading this article just the other day on Medium about this new cool growth hacking thing, and we must do it now, or this new method for onboarding, which would save us a lot of time, right? And then you find yourself dropping whatever you're doing, maybe you're implementing something that was discussed a week ago, and going to do this new thing. Um, and I think looking back on my experience, this was one of the few things that I do believe I did well. And well, not few, but like, you know, it was one thing that I did pretty well. My boss was also pretty good at it. And you basically have three techniques or, well, I believe that I've used three techniques to sort of make this not that much of a problem. Because the understanding here is that if you are a boss, you need to be careful um, if you take a step back and sort of consider this problem more generally, right? I've written a blog post on management for startups that we're going to link in the show notes called uh, the positional power barrier. And this is just a an expression, an explanation of this very obvious thing uh, where if you are a manager or you are in a position of power, people will look to you, to your actions, to what you say, what you think, what you do uh, as a uh, as, as information on how they should act and what they should focus on. And there's like this famous, maybe possibly apocryphal story about the CEO who made an offhand comment to uh, a manager of a, a group in a large company. And then uh, the, a couple of months later, uh, this CEO comes back and realizes that the entire group has scrambled to act on that offhand comment that he'd made. And he was like, why? Why, why do you do that? And everybody was like, oh, we, you know, you said you made the comment and we all thought it was like super important to you. So we delayed uh, and deprioritized whatever else we were working on to look into the thing for you. And then the CEO realized that he actually has to be really careful when he's talking to them uh, and making offhand comments. And as it is for big companies, it's even more true for small companies, right? Because when you're in a small company, it is, especially if you're in a startup and you haven't found product market fit, right? It's very common and normal to shift strategies and to change things and to switch between tasks. So it's doubly dangerous when you sort of make an offhand command about this shiny new thing and everybody sort of thinks that they have to drop everything to chase that thing. So three ideas, I said, that I used to make sure that this wasn't as big of a problem as with Heaton. Um, Heaton is many awesome things, but uh, I th and I think he, he, he wrote about, about how he had to learn uh, these things himself after one of the members of his team wrote a memo basically saying, uh, Heaton does this thing. When Heaton does a Heaton bomb, you don't have to listen to it or you don't have to respond or act on it. And that was when he, he realized that he was the problem. Um, so three ideas. The first idea is to filter your ideas when sharing with your subordinates. And I think Heaton writes about this in his um, blog post, but you sort of think about it logically, right? When you have a new idea, not all new shiny ideas that seem new and shiny in the moment are worth your time, right? Ideas have to take time. They need room to breathe. Um, they take time to sort of uh, uh, prove their worth. And so you should let the idea sort of sit for a while before you tell your subordinates. So the very simple way of saying this is don't share everything with your subordinates, right? Um, keep some things to yourself, especially if you, if you feel this, like the heat and excitement of a new idea. Don't uh, share it with your subordinates yet. Just let it sit in your head and let it stew um, and prove its worth to you. The second idea here is that you can share ideas, right? In fact, you should share ideas, um, but you need to, if you want to share ideas with your subordinates to sort of telegraph or brainstorm something down the line, make it very clear that you're still focused on the current plan or the current path. And the best way to show this, uh, sorry, the best way to do this is to show, not tell, right? So people look at actions more 
as just as much, if not more, than words. So eventually, if you may talk about this crazy, like, cool new idea over lunch, and you mention it to your team when you're eating, but then when you go back to your desk, you're still executing on the current set of tasks and the current plan, um, then they get a message that, hey, you know, uh, Cedric, or your, the boss, uh, wants to talk about this thing because he's thinking about it, right? It's uh, pro- possibly an innovative needle-moving thing that we might do in a couple of weeks um, or a couple of days, but he's still focused on the current set of tasks because the current set of tasks that you're doing is something that you discussed a couple of weeks, a week ago or so, and, you know, there's a reason why you're doing it because it probably will move the needle. Um, and this kind of makes sense, right? You do want to have the balance between execution and focus versus um, trying new things and being innovative because that's sort of what you have to do when you're a startup and you're looking for, you know, product market fit. So that's the second thing, right? Um, when you want to share ideas, make it clear that you're still focusing on the current path and plan. And the best way to do this is to show this by actions. The third idea is if you really, if you are like me and um, we, people like us, we tend to be incredibly excited, um, sometimes uncontrollably so with new ideas. And we just have to talk about it. We need, we want to get feedback. We want to get debate. We want to get some pushback. Um, and so we, we really do when one to find someone to talk to when we find this cool new idea that we think might apply to our situation, right? So in that situation, I would say, I would suggest um, having a select group of people you can brainstorm with and who can give you feedback on on these ideas. And preferably, it's peers in your company who don't report to you. Um, If you're a founder, then maybe it's your co-founder. If you don't have a co-founder or if you're a manager, maybe you'll be a fellow manager at an equivalent level with you at a separate part of the organization who wouldn't be affected by your idea bombs and who would give you good feedback, right? Or or the other thing which I actually prefer, what I did was um, I found other founders or other managers in other startups, right, in the industry who could uh, have different takes because they had slightly different roles or they were in different industries with different business models and they could give me feedback and push back on me whenever I would have an idea and I wanted to run it by them. And, I mean, they own... Anybody who's friends with me for any amount of time will know that I get ridiculously excited over an idea um, and it... And then after a week or two, like, you know, be more tempered. And so they would tolerate me and push back on these ideas because they, they understood uh, my personality. And I, I recommend this. If you're a manager in a startup, it can be quite lonely. It's really awesome if you have fellow managers who are as operationally excellent or around the same level as you with the same level of responsibilities. They can usually give you uh, interesting ideas or interesting perspectives on the way you're doing things in your industry, especially if they are from different industries. Um, now, to sort of close up this episode, I do want to talk about the opposite danger of a founder bomb. I think it's quite clear that idea bombs and founder bombs, heat and bombs, can lead to really bad things. But at the same time, right, the, the opposite bad scenario here is you, don't, you never tell your team what's down the line. You never tell your team what you're thinking about. And you are like the monk who goes up to the mountain and meditates and then comes down with like a 10-step battle plan for winning. And now we're going to do this new direction, right? And everybody's surprised. Nobody expects it, you know, and, and I've talked about how it's really not cool if you're a subordinate to have your entire work life uh, be upended um, just because of some change that you never saw coming, right? 
trying to protect your subordinates by telegraphing your intent before such change happens usually makes the change more tolerable. It also makes their work lives more bearable because people don't like nasty surprises or big surprises uh, that require them to change their entire workflow. Um, and so you do need to bring your subordinates along with you, which means you do need to telegraph your intent if you are concerned about something and thinking about something and seriously considering taking action to make such changes around that something. You need to bring them along with you and tell them uh, that you are actively thinking about this thing and a change may be in order in a, work, a week or a month uh, or two. And so how I used to do that, and of course it's up to you uh, whether you want to adopt this technique, is I used to uh, talk about it during our one-on-ones. So I do my one-on-ones every month, and during the one-on-one, 70% of the time, it should be your subordinate's time, your subordinate should be talking, you should be listening, but 30% of that is your time, right? And during the 30%, it's usually easy for me to sort of bring up something that I'm thinking about. So example would be, um, I'm worried about QA, uh, quality assurance. I, I think that the number of bucks have been increasing over the last couple of months, and so I've been thinking about it and obsessing about it and reflecting that we might need to change the process, I'll usually bring this up sort of like a, uh, I'm worried about this, right? So they know that I'm thinking about it. And then I go and do this to every single one of my subordinates so that when later it's time to change the process for QA or whatever it is, it could be customer support or it could be a new process for testing bugs or code review or whatever it is. I'm technical, so this is my wheelhouse, right? Um, then I will call a staff meeting and say like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about QA and I think this is the new process going forward. Um, and what happens then is that every subordinate already knows. They, they know that I've been thinking about this, so this change doesn't surprise them. And more importantly, during the one-on-one, they have the space and the privacy to push back and give feedback on whatever process that I am considering, so that during the staff meeting, I can bring up, preemptively bring up these objections and say that, you know, let's talk about like how to solve it, or I've thought about it, and I actually do have a solution for that. Um, and we have a discussion from the get-go where everybody knows they've been heard. So, I think that's it for this week. Um, I'll see you two weeks from now. Uh, I hope this was helpful to you to sort of summarize everything. Um, founder bombs, idea bombs are really bad and they're bad because they prevent your subordinates from, um, and, and you really, your company, from focusing on one thing at a time, which is really important if you are a startup executing and finding product market fit, right? So the three things are filter your ideas from sharing with your subordinates, which is to say, don't share everything with them. Or, Number two, you can share your ideas, but make it clear you're still focusing on the current path or set of tasks or plan, and do this by showing, not telling. Finally, uh, pick a select group of people that you can brainstorm with, right? Preferably peers. Maybe if you're a co-founder, you have a co-founder, that's great. Or other founders out, or managers outside of your company in similar size uh, companies in, in your industry or outside, preferably in your industry, but I mean, um, with enough overlap, but with enough differences so that their feedback is actually really valuable. And finally, you do want not, you do not want to go the other extreme and you do want to bring your subordinates with you so that no change is too surprising. We've already talked about that before in the podcast and I'll link to um, uh, whatever blog post that is related to this, all the things that I mentioned in the show notes. All right, that's it for this week. Cedric out.